Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All good. All right. Well, the day is Tuesday. The uh, show is banter, bitch. It's good to be here. It's great to be here. And listeners may notice an increase in the quality of audio. Mm, Yeah, I I hope they do. Yes. We've... uh, splurged and got some podcasting mics we now. have we have so it's a we're an official podcasters now. Yeah, 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 yeah you have to start off like really low quality totally and then you increasingly get better totally. uh, and maybe we'll get you know a recording studio and like film cameras soon who knows you yeah. know spotify here we come yeah. exclusive <laughs> streaming rights on spotify coming soon right, yeah now this is the first step in you know, our world domination we that's actually it. have proper mics to record that's it now. that's it it's a good start it's a good start so, is that cool i can see you know my the little voicing recording yeah know? yeah yeah well yeah, like there, there has been one week recently where i'm sure anybody who's listening probably realized my voice was like tinny and distant because my phone just decided to not record so yeah, it's not? nice to have a live feed of like how the record is going know, so. so mitch i want to know what's been happening in the world this week oh Give me, i i i only find out news through instagram <laughs> so tell me what has um, been going on the, the 2021 census oh it came out and there was an article released today which is titled 2021 census shows changes in australia's religious diversity Mm. so you can read this on the australian bureau of statistics but yeah some damning figures for christianity it says christianity is the most common religion in australia with 43.9 percent identifying as christian Mm. this was reduced from over 52.1 percent in 2016 and 61.1% in 2011. Wow. So in 10 years, there's been nearly a 20% drop. Wow. That's crazy, hey? That is insane. Mm. That is insane. The largest denominations are Catholic and yeah. Anglican. 20% of Aussies identify as Catholic and 9.8% Anglican. So and okay. about 38.9% identify as no religion. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So um, the first thing that I find super striking about that is going from a majority of over 50% to a minority. Mm. So that's super, like, I feel like a shift from like a 60 something to a 50 something is significant, but a lot less significant than a shift from a 50 to a 40, right? Mm. Because suddenly it's like, oh, okay, there are like, it's minority now, right? I think that's, you can officially say we're living in a post Christendom world where it's not the assumed culture yes. of those around us yeah and it's interesting i guess in those last 10 years of how many of that kind of older generation has mm. died out yeah or people our age who've become very disillusioned and perhaps i can't remember what the questions were but i find a lot of aussies that i've encountered most aren't atheists they're probably more like uh agnostic or sure. spiritual but not religious yeah 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 they have some sort of that's been my personal experience when I told yeah. people in the past. I'm like, oh, that's good. I kind of just believe in whatever. There might be a God. Yeah. But whatever works for you. I'm yeah. happy for you. I, more people say, I'm happy you found like something that works for you. I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely, um, from the class I teach at college, there's a lot of like the students, I was quite surprised, they will say, I'm an atheist, but I believe in spirits. <laughs> So then the follow-up question is like, well, where do those spirits come from? Like, yeah. what's like, what's going on there? Right? So you've, 
remind me of a story. Uh, a good friend of Rachel and I, he was working at, well, I can't remember which bank it was at the time, but two of his colleagues, they did a seance one weekend and they were like, they kind of did it as a bit of a joke sure. and actually called something and it responded and it freaked him out. And yeah, Tim, that's our friend. He used it as a way to kind of connect Jesus to them. Yeah. Because they, they gen- like it responded. Like they... Sure. I don't know what exactly happened, but he said like they were just freaked out. They couldn't, mm. they'd gone that kind of bit. Yeah. Oh, this is just, you know. Mm. It's kind of like an a, like a bit of an age old adage of like the devil's greatest trick was convincing the world he didn't exist, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if you are spiritually apathetic, right? Mm. You are, yeah, not pursuing Jesus. Yeah. So ultimately by default, you know, you're not f- living in salvation anymore. Yeah. Um, that's really fascinating. So as um, a senior pastor, as a Christian, mm. how do you see that informing the way that we engage with the world in a, in a different way or with our, our country, our local yeah. community in a different way? How does that change your views and your ideas and perspectives yeah. on that? I think to not having the expectation that people share the same morality. Mm. Um, and so actually coming at them from a, a different place of, yeah, just assuming. I said this at the church meeting that not assuming that people know the Bible, yeah, not having this assumption that just because we think it's in the Bible that they should follow it. Mm. It's probably uh, several years ago I preached for the Ten Commandments. Mm. It's really interesting. There's a commentator I read. I can't remember who it was, but he just said he goes the Ten Commandments weren't given to the Canaanites mm. or the Egyptians. It was for the Israelites mm. and the Israelites alone. Mm. And he's like, you cannot expect. Uh, I use the word pagan. I don't think you would, but you can't expect yeah. a pagan society to follow God's law. Mm. And that's something I really kind of hold on to. And there's this expectation of God's judgment. Like mm. God still held the Egyptians and the Babylonians and the Assyrians and all those evil countries to an account. Sure. But it's like, well, you're not entering, I'm not entering a covenant with you Assyrians. Mm. If you want to enter that covenant, you can yeah. repent. And these are sort of the stipulations of the covenant. And mm. so for us, yeah, entering Christendom, it's coming at that we're not exactly at a level playing field. Once upon a time, people held, might not have been Christian, but they held similar morality that the church held. Sure. Yeah, and so you could have this assumption that, mm. yeah, we'll take, let's just take marriage as an example. There's mm. an assumption across society as a whole that marriage was between man and woman. Now that's not assumed, mm. so we can't have to approach that very differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think to... Uh, yeah, one of the things I found helpful is a book of Ecclesiastes for mm. people, that sort of space. Yeah. Okay, like if people are apathetic, yeah. so everyone, everyone worships, so you fill your soul with something else. And mm. So if the average Aussie is sort of not religious, they're going to fill it with sport or yeah. comfort or possessions. And yeah. so, Or even really good things like their family, but putting yeah. it on a pedestal, yeah. like and expecting way too much of it to bring them full fulfillment and yeah. enjoyment, right? Yeah. And so, and so it's probably more tapping into that sort of aspect of things, not so much you're a sinner that needs to be saved because... Look, let's face it, the average Australian, they're pretty good people. Like, yeah. You know, if there's a natural disaster, Aussies give money. So they don't mm. see themselves as bad. Yeah. 
I know like Mark Sayers um, uses like the expression, people want the kingdom without the king. Like this idea yeah. that they want the most of like Christian values. And we are living in mm. a post-Christendom culture in Australia that is still heavily influenced by Christian values and ethics for mm. the most part. Obviously there are some, yep. you know, places where that, there are discrepancies, but this idea that, yeah, people are like, you know, well, we want all of these values of charity, you know, like mm. the first recorded like sort of big charitable thing it was like paul's letters like in corinthians Mm. to like the jewish population like to make a a love offering for them like this idea is like completely like revolutionary at the Mm. time and like as as far as like history is concerned like the first time and then like later you saw um julian the apostate like this the first roman emperor uh, who wasn't christian after Mm. nero kind of being like we need to like make sure that these christians like aren't beating us at our own game and it was like essentially from like historical records his response to that and being like we need to start like making sure that we as a Roman empire are charitable. Mm. So people aren't so favorable to Christians Christians, because of the charity that they kind of are less favorable to the Mm. Roman empire. Like it's this real thing. Like charity is a Christian ethic Mm. and something which people now just take for granted as a humanist kind of value. But ultimately that is rooted in, in Christian values and yeah, Christian history. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. And one of the, I think, Introduced to church, the five D's, death, divorce, yeah. displacement, development, and I always forget one. Disaster. Of disaster. Yeah. yeah, I always forget disaster. I don't That's know. right. I think between us, we can get yeah, the five yeah, D's. Get the five yeah, D's, yeah, yeah. I would have forgotten what. So it's okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I stole that from a church marketing book saying, like, they're kind of the universal thought needs across. Yeah. This, like, yeah. And, yeah, it's just shows showing how Jesus can fill that gap. Mm. And Tim Keller, he's excellent at understanding I guess a post-Christian culture, like his church is based in New York City, pretty skeptical. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, he's he one of his things is sort of showing how Jesus can meet your felt needs. If you've got a hole, or like you know, yeah. So his preaching is very Christocentric, mm. and like almost every sermon ends up like, oh, if you you know a lonely woman looking for a husband, well, Jesus meets that need. If you you know are feeling sick. Well, Jesus meets that need because he knows what pain is like on mm. the cross if you've lost a loved one. And so he tries to show how in every aspect of your life, Jesus mm. can meet that need. Mm. Yeah, and I think too, it will need yeah, other expressions of worship, which aren't necessarily Sunday-centric. A bit mm. controversial for some, because, but yeah, what, what is a faith community? Mm. It's just the gathering of God's people together, mm. which COVID taught us it can happen in a remote space, it can happen yeah. in a smaller space. And yeah, yeah I, I, that's the question I posed to the church on Sunday in the meeting. I was like, for, we like a, asking people to come to church on Sunday would be like a Muslim going, hey, come to prayers on Friday. We'd be like, mm, yeah, yeah. Nah. Pass. Nah, I'm right. Yeah. Thank you. And I think, so, I think that's not just a Christian response. That would probably be a, a secular response yeah, for yeah. most people. They just play God. But I think that's really helpful for us, us as Christians. Yeah. yeah. So think about that. It's like, well, because for a lot of Christians, their goal is, oh, I just got to get them into church. And it's like, yeah, that's important. Mm. But mm. even if they're just in a community, just reading the Bible together, that is better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. No, there's so much there. So good. Yeah. Um, so in all of that, um, we've got sort of this, uh, I suppose, really interesting question 
around dedication mm. around baptism, which you spoke spoke on on Sunday, sort of as a springboard off from Tobias and Henry's mm. dedication with the Jakes family. Mm. Yeah, how I, I see it really fascinating because I know that there's a lot of people who culturally still want to christen. Or, yeah. or dedicate their their children into oh. something, which is like another fascinating thing. It's almost seen as, I don't know. I, I feel like there's some people who are just trying to keep some grandma yeah. happy, right? Um, but what do you see is like going on there with like this desire, mm. this propensity for people who say never go to church <laughs> to go like, I really want to christen my child. <laughs> It's a wonderful question. It's, I mean, it's hard to get inside someone yeah. else's head, but what do you kind of suspect is going yeah, on there? I think you've already kind of answered the question. So there's a lot of people that are just trying to appease grandma. Sure. Uh, you know, or a relative. It's, But uh, there are some people that sort of value a bit of tradition, mm. even if it's like they don't want to follow it. It's just, well, yeah, it's kind of nice, even if it means nothing. Um, yeah. One of my, actually both my cousins were, yeah, they were baptised as babies and, yeah, I wouldn't say my aunt and uncle are particularly mm. Christian. It's yeah. just sort of what you did. You just tick that box. So, yeah. yeah, I wonder if it's a bit of, like, I think the majority of it's probably, yeah, let's keep grandma happy because mm. mm. that's or grandma or parents and then, mm. but, yeah, there could be someone there that's this sense of tradition or maybe there's some back in their mind. Oh, in case it is true, it's, it's like a good insurance, insurance. I was policy. just thinking that. Yeah. yeah, it's good insurance just in case. Just yeah, in well, case. and it, I think if particularly from a Catholic perspective, if you believe that baptism is necessary for salvation, well then tick that box, we're baptised, done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that was, because if, yeah, that was the view, yeah, of origin and sort of Augustine, those early church fathers, original sin, Mm. Everyone's born defiled, so the waters of baptism purify. Mm. Mm. Not, not you know, the blood mm. of Jesus, but the waters of baptism is what necessary. Mm. So. Slightly off topic, but mm. I feel still within the realm of mm. dedication. What are, What are your thoughts on original sin as far as a, a newborn baby oh, and their state of... Yeah. It's, it's pretty rough. I mean, ultimately, oh, yeah. like, it sounds super rough, oh, but no. their state of salvation, I suppose. Oh, dude, that's a great question because, yeah, 4th of March, Sunday morning, I honestly thought we were going to be bearing Asher. Sure. So it's something that came up. I, I think for me, I go back to David's prayer when after him and Bathsheba lost their first yeah. kid, he goes, I know I'll be reunited with yeah. you one day. So David had this belief that the child... Yeah, he would see him one day. Yeah. And I don't know if David understood our concept of heaven and eternal life, but he knew that, well, he wrote in Psalm 16, you won't let, you let your holy one see decay. He knew that Sheol wasn't the final yeah. outcome. So he knew one day he'd be re- reunited with his son. Yeah, this is, it's extra biblical, but there was this view of the Jews that an age of accountability, so that around the age of 13, yeah, where sure. he became a man. Yeah. Um, or a woman later yeah, in yeah. later Jewish culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what's it called? I've had a complete it's the bar mind. or bat mitzvah. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had a complete mind blank. What it's called? Yeah. And so and I think Islam has something similar. Yeah, well. I couldn't say actually. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was sort of the idea of some sort of age of accountability, and then mm. yeah, it is um because it's one thing say Presbyterians and Anglicans who baptize babies will accuse Baptists. I was like, oh, you don't believe that kids can be saved. And because mm. yeah, you, you can only be 
because because I guess they're the view. If you one of those churches that baptize babies, it's with the belief that baptism is the replacement of circumcision for the covenant. Sure. And so yeah, you're baptized into this family of the covenant, and mm. you that child is part of this new covenant and this Christian family. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, functionally, you're saying as well. Oh, well, this kid isn't part of the new covenant yet. It's yeah, unsaved and heathen and mm. needs to be wait till it's old enough to be mm. saved. So look, it is, yeah. it is very, very complex, but for me it's, and then the question is too, is like what age? I, I don't know, but yeah, there's this, because this is what you about the Bible. Cause yeah, David even talks about surely I'll sinful, you know, before birth in my mother's womb. But is that just the way of just describing, you know, a poetic yeah. way of just describing his sinfulness, or is it an yeah, actual, yeah, yeah. like, literal... Yeah, you need to be careful at taking the Psalms on, like, sort of black and white theology. Yeah, right. you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, yeah. Is God an actual shepherd? Well, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a metaphor. So. Yeah. I think it does, like, ultimately bring up the deeper point, because, you know, you kind of said in, in your sermon on Sunday... Like, people literally died over this. Like, oh. Menites were being thrown into, like, rivers with, like, yeah. cinder blocks on their feet, essentially. <laughs> like, hey, enjoy that permanent yeah. baptism. <laughs> you know, third time lucky kind of thing. Yeah. So this idea seems crazy that people are getting so mm. up in arms about it. But for me, when I start thinking about how, what it in turn, um, what, what what is entangled up mm. in it, which is ultimately the salvation of children and the, the yeah. state of, yeah, you know, their eternity. Like, yeah, I can maybe start to understand why people were getting yeah. so, you know, up Thank in arms you. about it. Well, but, yeah. It was interesting when Brian Codrington went to, it was his, I can't remember, his some relative, remember? Yeah, the yeah I think his cousin's, cousins yeah, yeah, kid or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he just said the priest kind of got stuck into everyone for being too loud at the beginning. <laughs> it's like, this is a holy place. We need to be. Yeah. Uh, and it made me think, well, crikey, if this priest is going on baptizing this baby to ensure their eternity, that's a fairly, yeah. I see why he's taking it quite seriously. Well, let's stop being so irreverent. <laughs> yes. <at this> moment. <laughs> yeah. Super fascinating. Mm. So um, I suppose another like interesting question, in all of this is I like your point to David's prayer after his first child yeah. with Bathsheba dies and there is this assumption that he will see this child again mm. in heaven in in, mm. in an eternity yep. in a post-resurrection state um could you and again i i think it maybe mm. is somewhat speculation talk about um the salvation of a child under the household because that's something that i want to sort of yeah. veer into in a passage in acts i want to look into yeah, in a second so but that. So if we're talking about children having salvation at a certain point, say, you know, for whatever reason, yeah, before yeah. they're baptized, able to make a declaration mm. of faith themselves, um, you could definitely argue that it is because David was the father, the head of that household, mm. and he obviously had a faith and thereby the baby was saved yeah. through that. Or is it that there is a grace, which I suppose we don't really know, mm. that God affords to... Um, infants, children who have yet to fully hear the good mm. news, receive it. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Um, so those that uh, pedo, pedo Baptists, yeah. like child, child baptism. Baptists, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they would look to those passages where yeah, Paul baptizes the um, 
a Philippian jailer and, you know, you yeah. and your household shall be saved. And oh, there's a passage in Corinthians, which I've forgotten the reference, but it's along, it's when Paul's talking about um, those Christian wives that are married to non-Christians and the child is yeah. sanctified yeah. because of that. And so they say, well, say, hey, look, you know, if you've got a Christian parent, therefore you fall under this covenant, this new covenant arrangement. Mm. And it, yeah, it, it, well, if Christians, and this is, I guess, the part of the complexity of the debate, like Christians who believe in the Bible use different parts of it to argue for completely different ways of yeah. writing it. It's a very, very complex issue. But for me... I guess that's why I prefer what we call credo baptism. Sure. Because this does seem to be, and this is how I read the Bible, this declaration of baptism um, after some sort of salvation moment. Um, sure. Yeah. So I am kind of jumping from not answering the question, but... No, no, no. Yeah, like, like John's baptism was originally... It was more, it was part of in the Jewish sort of culture was it often would be used for those proselytes. So those that were God-fearers, Gentiles that became God-fearers. Sure. They weren't full Jews. and sure. They'd undergo some sort of baptism to sort of signify that. Sure. And so like those that fall into like our camp, credo Baptists, they, mm-hmm. they see that as like, well, that's what, that seems to be the pattern in Acts. Like, and even the passage where Paul goes on about yeah you and your whole household and they go well there's no evidence that there were babies there like it's sort of an argument sure. from silence sure so yeah both people can read the same passage and go see all babies can be it includes babies and i was going yeah. no it doesn't like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. or yeah the passage about yeah, non-christian husbands oh yeah you're sanctified well yes no and, and i guess the question is how long was god's grace extend to a child it's mm. Hello, man. Hazel's two years old, and she certainly knows the difference between right and wrong. Sure, <laughs> I, sure. I didn't have to teach her how to do that. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to teach a kid how to lie, yeah, how to steal, how to whack. There's yeah. certainly this. Yeah, I, uh, there's a question posed in a theology class at Bible College: Are kids little angels, or are they, you know, the devil incarnate? Like, sure. Yeah. Because like, you can see both scans. You're like, oh, they're beautiful. These precious gifts, but at the same time, too, you're like, man, these. Yeah. Which is, yeah, mm. why I just try the point I was trying to make on Sunday for us is that we don't see baptism as something passive. Like it's hard because mm. hard because it'd be yeah plenty of reforms so Presbyterians, Anglicans, those that baptize yeah. children who raise their families in a really God honoring way. But the danger, sure. I guess, of baptizing babies is it just becomes passive. Um, mm. I had so I was sharing just before we recorded about my lecturer who is a Presbyterian minister, mm. and he said when he joined a small country church, he had all these families call and say, "Oh yeah, we want to you know, baptize our babies." Mm. None of them went to church, mm. and he had this real dilemma of like, oh, "I don't really want to do this, but I also want to say no at the same time." Yeah, so he sure. made him do all these like baptism classes, and and so that and I guess that can be. The danger too, but then the same with credo baptism. The day I was baptized, it was the four like myself and my brother and my two sisters, and there was mm. a few others with us. It's quite a large baptism day. Yeah, <sighs> off the top of my head, I don't think any of the other people who were baptized are actually living for Jesus. 
Well, yeah, I've read an article of like a Christian psychologist who said that we shouldn't baptize children together. Like essentially that there was an element of maybe peer pressure is the wrong term, Mm. but this sort of um, mob mentality. Yeah. Where they're not making necessarily an informed decision themselves, Mm. but they're just doing it because their three mates are also doing doing it. it. But we see in scripture time and time again that large swathes of people are all baptized at the same time. Mm. Um, You know, so it's it's a tricky one. And I don't know. I think it is a bit of a cop out, but I sort of with an issue like this and a lot of questions like this, I sort of almost think to like the end of Job, like who mm. are we? Yes. Who are we to ask these questions? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, it is, I think something that, yeah, God's infinite wisdom has intentionally not, you yes, know, man. fully made known because ultimately like, I think when we get a bit too hung up on sacraments, <laughs> right. Ultimately, yes. what are we doing? We're getting hung up on religion <laughs> yeah. rather than yeah. relationship. Like, I think we can almost again, become like the Pharisees in mm. baptism when we like, you know, weigh out our mint and, yes. you know, like sort of get yeah. to a point where we're getting super. Yeah. I suppose judicious about and, and, and yeah, judicial about yeah. something which is ultimately supposed to be a matter of the heart. Right. Yeah. And it is interesting, as I was saying to you before we were recording, there's no, like, passage in Scripture, unfortunately. It's just like, okay, baptism is the replacement sign of circumcision. Sure. It's just we're left to kind of infer, you know, the Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council. It's like, hey, don't make the Gentiles be circumcised. Sure. Poor Galatians, obviously. Mm. And there's sort of like a kind of hints where, you know, it's Colossians that talks about circumcision and baptism sort of in the same sentence. Sure. But, yeah, there's no like, okay, yep, Jesus like just where he goes back to heaven. Okay, now I've replaced circumcision with baptism. Mm. There's no like, can't just Google that verse. We have to sort of yeah, draw yeah. out. Yeah. But I guess is the fun part of scripture. We're left to wrestle over. Yeah. Try to kind of connect the dots where we can and make sense of, but yeah, sometimes mm. it'd be nice if it was just there in black and white. Totally. Uh, totally it would be very helpful yeah <laughs> well i think you're right there is um which i think as a so i was quite young but at the time i felt old 16 why well, put off baptism for so long because i felt like it was a very controversial matter yeah right and it's all like ugh, like why do i want to do this and it's just about becoming a member of a church and mm. yeah failing to see the the bigger picture and when i, I can't remember when i did the little baptism talk through genesis when i started actually studying the biblical theology of baptism that's when i actually grew in love of it more mm. and more like this yeah connecting to key moments of yeah creation noah yeah the red sea crossing yeah. the jordan all that and the, obviously the spirit's arrival and i was like oh this actually is a really significant mm. moment and jesus baptism is being baptized as a priest mm. so he can baptize us and yeah yeah, I actually really like that quote from Luther. I am baptized. I am baptized. Mm. Interesting way of like almost assuring himself of his salvation. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, yeah. totally. Um, you also uh, in your sermon referenced the classic proverb, you know, raise your child yes. in the way of the Lord and when they, you know, <laughs> yeah, grow older, yeah, they will yeah. not depart. Um, obviously, I think it's always important when looking at those proverbs that, yeah, you know, did, they I are... You I know, did put that caveat on it. You know, I liked it. I like the apple a day yeah. analogy. Um, yeah, and we've definitely spoken before. I think it's in like Proverbs 26, like four and five. They're literally mm. two proverbs that directly sort of contradict each other, which is saying it's not a, it's not a you know, yeah. sort of concrete thing to be applied to every situation. But one thing that I'd love to ask you, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot oh, here. Oh, I love people on the spot. Um, how do you see like practically, realistically... Mm 
raising your children in the way of the Lord? Like, what does that mm. look like for you and Rachel in yeah. practice? I think it's something we're still working out. Mm. But it's that authenticity mm. and that little made-up scenario. Yeah. I think that for me, when I, I, was, I stole it from someone, I can't remember who, He's probably said it much better. That really resonated with me because I'm like, yeah, if it's not seen as genuine, if it's mm. just a yeah a box you tick yeah. or a facade, yeah, yeah, it needs to be. So just like, a reminder, it was a sort sort of story. Oh, yeah. yeah, so this it's a made up story of you're in the car with your kids and you're fighting the whole way to church, and as soon as you get to the church parking lot, you put happy smiles, everyone's happy, and then you get back in the car and you keep fighting yeah. like. If you do that every week or in the house, like the idea is that you're just showing that okay, what you're what you're telling little Johnny and little Jane is that okay. When we're at church, we put on this front, yeah, and our real lives are like this, yeah. and so then you're teaching, oh, like Christianity is actually just a front, and sure, yeah, and so yeah. then they lose interest. It's not relevant. There's no life transforming. Yeah, yeah, and that's I think that's a real challenge. Mm. And it's a yeah, look, and it's as the kids get older, we think <laughs> sounds bad, but we we're kind of blessed a bit with Asher because he was so far behind. <laughs> um, we kind of could get away with, you know, things that now he actually can start to speak and talk. It's like, oh, now he's going to start remembering things. And Hazel, like, yeah. we'll just parrot. So it's like, oh, actually, how we act in front of these two. Mm. Like, Rachel and I like to play wrestle. And, you know, and Hazel got really distressed the other day. She goes, Mommy, Daddy, stop fighting. We're like, oh, we're not fighting. We're just yeah, playing. Yeah, yeah, like, sure. you know, we'll play tackling and wrestling yeah, on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And she actually thought we were, like, having a serious fight. And yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. just something simple where yeah. what she's perceiving is we're having yeah. this big... And how sensitive they are to things yeah, as well, right? Yeah, like, so, yeah. Wow. But, um, yeah, so that... And that's a bit of an overused word, authenticity, but... I think it's a great word, though, for but, the... Yeah. Yeah, and I, for me, I would... I want to teach my kids, like, when they're old enough, really the cultural context on the Bible. Like, I've already got a few books lined up for when they're yeah. old enough to go through together. One of them's um, T. Desmond Alexander's, The Context <laughs> Behind the Pentateuch. Um, yeah, when I read at college, I was like, when I have kids, I want them. Because uh, it's just... Your poor so, kids. No. Uh, <laughs> well, it just, for me, I remember reading it second year, and I was like, if I hadn't read this... Yeah as a younger man about the law, it would have helped me a lot because I would read it and be quite horrified mm. about some of the commandments, particularly around slavery. I'm like, <gasps> like, how is this? I'm reading it and going, how's this mm. any different to ISIS? Or, but yeah, understanding the context behind it, that can help so those good. difficult. So that's one of the things I want to do is really instill how to read the genre of the Bible and yeah, narrative because yeah. I think you read some man, I, I go back to it a bit, but you read the end of Judges and they're cutting up the Levites. Yeah. Um well, uh, concubine. Concubine. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, prostitute, yeah. but no yeah, concubine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it just is civil war and the Benjamites are defeated and they're stealing women and you kind of read that and you think okay, so is the Bible condone this the bible yeah. allows this or even glorifying yeah it. yeah and you go no 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 no. like this is a narrative this is actually showing how bad this is and yeah and so just teaching him just the basics of understanding a narrative yeah that just because in the bible doesn't mean it condones it like i've had yeah. several people tell me oh well abraham had multiple wives so therefore it's okay it's like well yeah he he did but look at the disaster it was you look sure. at yeah, you know, yeah, ishmael yeah. and then 
Isaac and all three of the patriarchs kind of have seem to have huge issues in their yeah. family because of multiple wives and it's... multiple children to multiple wives. Yeah, like yeah. it's not. And Jacob's the classic. You got Leah and Rachel, and then their two Zulfar and yeah, um, yeah. I want to say Bill but that's not it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, yeah, and they're all fighting, and you're like, this. You don't need to actually say this is wrong. This is wrong. And yeah, so it's. Well, I've told a number of people. I was like, if I tell you, oh, I was walking down the street and I saw a car accident. You know that that's wrong. Oh, a car accident's bad. You don't need to spell out that's bad. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, not like, like, oh, why is Mitch, like, glorifying car, car accidents? accidents you yeah, know? it's telling it's it. And so that's probably, for me, how I want to teach these two is so that, yeah, that they can feel like, okay, there's a confidence there because mm. I've just met so many Christians who get disillusioned. They read something in the Bible. It's complex. It's difficult. And they don't get the answers question answered right mm. or it's just a simplistic answer and they sort of start mm. to fall away and where yeah. i want my two to be able to i've always been a wrestler always ask questions so i want them to do yeah. that and just but they have that grounding so yeah when they're able to we'll sort of i'm looking forward to that yeah sort of process so probably That's a little really bit too cool. young to start that no but no yeah, no but probably... i like that a lot i like that a lot kind of yeah i think that's such a valuable thing to know and learn early that like the bible is a difficult text right that like it doesn't come easy a lot of it i think we can kind of read the gospels and get most of it you know on a surface level like yeah cool awesome i can you know understand the story of jesus and um but yeah as we start kind of getting into some of those other books of the bible it can start to get really tricky i think it's so good to yeah, one, like, look at what's the, like, context behind it. It's been really fascinating, even, like, M's going um, through this, like, Bible in a year sort of thing at the moment. And it's really interesting, obviously, just with me having studied even just a year of mauling and having gone a bit more deeply academically into these texts. So many of the questions that she asks... I get so excited about because I'm like, yeah, like that's actually the question that that book is supposed to make mm. you ask, mm. you know? And I think that that is such a great sort of... Um, yeah, that, that, that's such a, like, kind of great thing to see from mm. the outside looking in. So, for example, like, she was, it's why I brought up, because it's fresh in my memory, um, just she's finished, like, going through the book of Job, or almost mm. finished. She's sort yeah, of, yeah. like, you know, um, I think Elihu, sort of this fourth, like, youth yeah, yeah, has just come in, up. Yeah. And uh, at this point, she's like, I just still don't get it. Like, why did all this bad stuff happen to Job? I'm like, yeah, fantastic. Like, that's, that's the question yeah. of the book, right? <laughs> like, that's what the author wants you to be asking throughout because mm. ultimately that's the question that they're trying to figure out. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think like that's always so cool as we start to know that as we're reading so many parts of the Bible, mm. it's actually wanting us to ask a specific question. And that's yeah. so cool to, for me have seen, yeah, her reading that and the text as she really engages with it, naturally leading her to yeah. those questions that are meant to be asked, yeah. which is really cool. Because Job's a, Oh, it's a fascinating book because from Joe's perspective, he doesn't know mm. what happens. He just wakes up one day, big wind comes through, kills his sheep. Yeah. You know, his house falls, the house falls down and yeah, kills his, his children, kids and yeah, die. all that. Like there's no, not given a reason. It's just these terrible, seemingly natural disasters yeah. happen. Yeah. And yeah, we know what's happening, but he doesn't. Yeah. So so I, I love the sort of um dare i say maybe slightly academic scholarly side of, mm. of how teaching children mm. how to you know engage with mm. scripture 
Um, a question I, I suppose I even have like for my own thoughts mm. is you use that really helpful analogy before of people arguing and, you know, kind of then going into church, yep. being happy, getting back in the car and arguing. Ultimately, we are flawed people who may at a time or another be mm. a bit frustrated with each oh, other right. as we're going into yeah, church. Yeah, 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 <laughs> right? yeah, totally. I think especially like there's a there's a time to it that you need to get there by, you know, it's a, whatever. Anyway, my question is then what is the authentic way? To then, okay, cool. You've you've just you've you've finally pulled up the car at church, and you've just kind of been bickering even just mm. the whole way. You know, it doesn't have to be screaming yeah, at yeah, each yeah. other and you know yelling abuse, but you know it, you haven't been godly, Christ-like mm. in the way you've been engaging with each other on the car ride there. Help. Car pulls up, handbrake on. How do you move forward authentically uh, with your children mm. there? What are your thoughts on that? Well, easy to say when you're not angry at sure. the time. But I guess but I think that's a, the best time to think in, about in, the <laughs> in, uh, in the perfect moment, it would be Yeah, I like what one John says, we confess our sins yeah. careful and just. I think too just acknowledging, okay, yep, I sinned and I still got a way to go. Mm. And I'm sorry you saw that. Mm. yeah i've even trying to apologize to my kids more it's Mm. like you know times i get cranky with them and sometimes they deserve it other times i've actually misunderstood the situation yeah and i'm like oh even though i don't think they can truly get a sorry yet i'm like oh sorry that daddy got angry you didn't actually do anything wrong yeah that was my fault i didn't understand yeah yeah it's a big person yes so yeah and then obviously another one too is just um trying to look developing the fruits of the spirit and so mm. okay yep you know you want to be authentic here are the fruits of the spirits okay this is where i failed yeah this time so that's what i say i think people oh, i can't remember the expression that like people so along the lines of people will forgive a mistake but they mm. yeah won't won't forget. Oh, I can't. I'm completely butchered some quote. But anyway, along the lines of oh, people will tolerate, you know, a mistake, but mm. something deliberate there. Yeah. So it's acknowledging those times. Where mm. There's two it's sort of passages that come to mind. Mm. The first is, you know, like almost do not let like the sun set on an argument. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like do not let a church service start, <laughs> you know, like with all don't, right. you know, before an argument. Um, but the other one is, um, and I've forgotten the passage, but you'll definitely know it, about uh, when you sort of mistreat your wife and then go to pray. What's that no, passage? No, it's from 1 Peter. 1 yeah. Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, like that's yeah. an interesting one to like look at as Dude, well. I, I think I told you this. I busted that one out of yeah. someone. Had a go at his wife. His yeah. Indian background. I said, I'm not praying with you. So, so, so what's the passage? I think I'd be uh, It's 1, 1 Peter. Peter. I think it's chapter 3. 1 Peter so, 3. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like... Treat is like uh, husbands treat your wives with respect as the weaker vessel, so it will not hinder your prayers. That yeah. is the verse. Yeah, 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 here, yeah. No, you're right. So it's what one Peter three seven. Likewise, oh, husbands okay. live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace mm. of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So I think yeah. that's a really like helpful passage to look yeah. to as far as that analogy of like handbrake goes up in the car in the church <laughs> car park. Hey, like ultimately, if you want to go worship the Lord right now, you got to like you know have um yeah yeah peace and love and mm. kindness and reconciliation with your. Wife. That's what Jesus talks about. Um, so on a mount, like if you want to go to the temple and you've yeah. got something against your brother, yeah. you need to go and like reconcile it. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, the so on a mount, he doesn't mince words. Mm-hmm. Hey, if you call someone rocker, you're in danger of the hellfire. You're like, ooh. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
So, so good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Well, yeah, look, uh, were there any kind of final thoughts on dedication, on baptism uh, before we sort um, of wrap up? Look, I suppose I recognise that even though we're a Baptist church, we have people from a broad range of yeah. theological yeah, presuppositions and views on baptism. And yeah. Look, it's probably, I think you said it before, it's probably not something worth fighting about in yeah. time and energy. Um, yeah. I remember we... My first year at college, we had a guest for the for the graduates. We had a guest speaker mm. come in, and he just said something which I found interesting. He goes, "Yeah, I don't know why Christians get so hung up on the volume of water needed for baptism." Mm. Just trying to say, and even the early church they had um in the Didache the kind of the teachings mm-hmm. the early church had for baptism. It was oh, well, you can use running water, but if you can't find running water, try to you know use like a pool or a mm. bath if that's not available. I'll sprinkle, but sprinkle like seven times. Sure. Sure, Even they sort of recognize, okay, there's, we have to be realistic here. There are times where, yeah, yeah, if you can go to a river, that's the ideal. That's where Jesus baptized in a river. Yeah. If you can't find a river, you know, a path will do, a tank will do, a pool will do. And if you don't, well, pour water over someone. Like it's, sure. I think the importance then was the symbolism and what that represents. Totally. Yeah. That's like what a sacrament is. Like it's supposed to be a, a symbol, mm. a sign for something else, yeah. right? It's not the it's not the ritual itself. Yeah. It's which something. Is, well, I love that name and narrative, which yeah. I unpack that. Because I had the the twofold, like the kid, you know, little girl, yes. kind of setting up the story. I was like, ah, oh, dedication, and obviously the leprosy, like it's yeah. something pointing to something deeper, which baptism does. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I love that. The faith cool. of a child pointing towards baptism. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. So, so good. So good. Well, Mitch, uh, what what have we got planned for this Sunday? Uh, so we're supposed to have Bob, Bob Mendelssohn from Jews for Jesus okay. coming along. Great. Um, I'm hoping he's still coming. Awesome. <laughs> we'll let's, find out. Let's pray for Bob. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So I think he, the plan was for him to share... Uh, I guess a bit of a Jewish perspective on the Passover and cool. Jewish sort of, and how Christians we can understand that in the light of Jesus. So yeah. I think this is the third time we, we had a few like stalls. Sure. He was booked to come a couple of days that just didn't work out with yeah. church meetings. And I was like, oh, you know, so anyway, great. It's meant to be coming this Sunday. So hey, I'm excited. You yeah. know, Jesus was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. Know, Jewish we, kind of tradition well, is important. We talked about this at one point. That, yeah, Christianity was just a sect of Judaism at yeah. one point. The yeah. way. Yeah, so. totally. Very, very cool. Mm. We're looking forward to that. Yep. Well, thank you for the chat. Thank you again you for the message on Sunday. And mm. uh, yeah, look forward to Jews for Jesus with Bob yeah. Madison on Sunday. Catch right. you then. Thanks, Murray. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.